when I was thinking about why I serve, you know, it kind of took, there was a period of growth. There's obviously a a phase of obligation. I was at church and I needed to do something. Um, I served in uh, elementary. I served in the preschool. I did what I was supposed to do, but there was no deep-rooted, heartfelt, uh, godly calling behind it. Again, it was just something I needed to do. Um, But again, when I I started serving down at 111th, uh, I realized that it was it was more than that. I mean, God really had a pace in place for me. Um, he desired, you know, me to be part of his his work at, at the, that new campus and bringing other people there. And um, it was a struggle. I, you know, it's something I didn't want to do. You know, getting up at 4:30 wasn't my favorite on Sundays. wasn't my favorite thing to do. But you know, after doing it for a while, it's it was just a, a blessing. And looking back on it, it's something that I really miss actually. I mean, a lot of the guys are on the team. You miss doing that. You know, there's a lot of community and uh, really felt an attachment to not only to God, closer to God, but attachment to the church. I don't want it to be cliche, but, uh, you know, you really get a sense that of joy from God. Serving is definitely worship to God. Any, anything we do for God is worship, whether it's singing or, you know, praising Him or praying. Um, God um, just uh, revels in the, us pleasing him and one way that we can please him is by serving others when i uh sit down with the kids in uh in journey and listen to their stories and hear them talk about god and can encourage them in um, their lives and talking to other students and stuff it's it's a joy for me and i'm it's pleasing to god to, to see them really uh get the 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 love that he has for them and the service that they should have for others you know, there's there's times when uh, you're not going to want to serve, you know, whether it's getting up early or spending your time on a Sunday or a, a midweek, you know, for me for Thursday nights, I'd much rather sometimes sit in front of the TV and, and just kind of veg out after a hard day's work. You, you just got to jump in with both feet. I, I know the hesitations. I had the same hesitations. God gives you the time. It's not about what we need to get done. It's what God wants to get done. Um, if we truly believe that God is here and God is real, we need to um, step up and do what he asks us to do. Um, and when you turn around and look back on, on what he's done through your life, um, there's nothing but joy. <clears throat> you know, can, can I just say, Ed's, Ed's a hero of mine. When I, when I see men and women, boys and girls, who got that look in their eye, you can tell they are discontent with just doing life, spending their life any old way. They want their life to count. And they've responded to the call of God to serve one another. And look at Ed. I mean, he has served in so many capacities. The Lord is smiling, and his life is being used to build the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful thing. That's what we're after in this series called Mighty Men. We're, we're wanting our lives to count. We're wanting to be heroic servants of God. And we're learning from a group of David's friends, David's mighty men. The, the account is found in 2 Samuel 23. And God included their crazy stories to inspire us and to provide a model by which we can follow so that our lives will be counting for eternity and not squandered. It's been fun. We've, we've looked in week one at their devotion to the cause of God. And then week two, their power. And we saw that their power was not in themselves. Their power was God's power. And God will do the same for us. His Holy Spirit 
working through our spiritual gift. Very cool. Last week, we looked at their team, and we discovered that one of the great rewards, if you will, of a life of service to the Lord is the friendships that develop along the way. Some of the closest friendships are born through passionate, devoted service. And it brings us to week four. There's five weeks in this series, so next week will be the last. And that is their worship. We're about to discover that serving can be worship. And I want to begin by showing you some champagne that is extremely pricey. This champagne is called Armand de Brignac. Aren't you impressed with how I said that? It is uh, sometimes called the Ace of Spades because of the logo that's here. The most expensive champagne on planet Earth. Different sized bottles. The large one here is called the Nebuchadnezzar. They used a biblical name for it. What do you think the Nebuchadnezzar goes for price-wise? It costs $100,000. Can you imagine a hundred grand on a bottle of champagne? What, what could you do with $100,000? And, and people buy a bottle of champagne for that. Isn't that incredible? In fact, three years ago, a guy by the name of David bought the Nebuchadnezzar and he spent a hundred grand, took it home, he opened it up, and eventually he dumped it all on the ground. And you're like, come on, is that true? Why would anyone dump a bottle of champagne? Here's why. The David, his name is David Ortiz. He is on the Boston Red Sox. This is a picture of him celebrating his third World Series championship. I, w- I watched this moment three years ago. I was ticked off. As, as a Cubs fan, I suppose my anger was because of jealousy. I've waited, you know, my whole... It's been a couple years since the Cubs won their last World Series, and we keep waiting. Not only was I jealous, but when I heard that he's dumping a $100,000... In a matter of seconds... He had sprayed the champagne, dumped it on his head, dumped it on his friends, and it was gone. The bottle was empty in seconds, 100 grand, like that. that guy, what, what, don't you want to scream, hey, let me trade you. I'll, I'll, uh, you give me the 100 grand and I'll go buy you a few bottles of champagne for your celebration because there's something that just makes us say, what a waste. And yet, in our passage, another David, not this one, David from the Bible, is about to dump a precious beverage on the ground. And it may make you sick in the same way this does. If your initial reaction to the text we're about to study is one of, I can't can't believe he did that, you'll be like me, because that was mine as well. So let's dive into it. The passage again is in 2 Samuel 23. If you care to grab a Bible in front of your seat, you'll find our passage on page 326. 2 Samuel 23, starting at verse 16, which is where we left off last week. We're actually continuing the same event that we began studying last week. It says, The three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. 
Remember, we, we studied that verse last week. And if you weren't here, let me give you the background. The reason these three mighty warriors are fighting through the Philistine lines, and by fighting, I mean they, they shed blood in order to get David a drink of water. Bethlehem was his favorite well. It's the town he grew up in. And David was just dreaming about a drink from that well. These were hard days for David. The Philistines, his enemy, were pressing down. They had moved in all the way to Bethlehem. And David was hiding in a cave at this point, sick of cave water, saying, oh, what I'd give for a drink from that old well in Bethlehem. And these three crazies say, let's do it. And they go fight in order to get their friend a drink of water. And they bring it back to him. And I want to imagine what that moment was like when they presented. And to imagine it, I thought I needed a bottle of water. So I went to Jewel to get a bottle of water for a prop, you know. Do you have any idea how many kinds of water our Jewel sells? I mean, it's crazy. I gravitated towards the cheapest one there, you know. But Then I thought, wait a minute, this water that David brought was special water, and so a cheap bottle is not the best prop. And so I bought the most expensive water that Jewel sells, Voss water, four bottles in a box. Have you heard of it? Of course you have. It's all you drink, right? This is what I would call fancy water, huh? I got to admit, I'm still getting used to this. You know, where I came from, I spent, I moved there two years ago. Prior to that, 20 years I was in Grays Lake, which is a little teeny town in the north side of Chicago where it's more blue collar. We don't have fancy water. We, we, we drank our water out of a tap in a Dixie cup, and we liked it that way, you know. Now I'm in Naperville where we drink our fancy water. Believe it or not, this water is imported from Norway. I am serious. From some artesian well in the highlands of Norway, they bottle it, ship water across the ocean (laughs) all the way here. I mean, is it crazy? So fancy water. Let's use that as our prop, okay? And David was presented with the water, and I can imagine him receiving it and looking at his buddies going, you didn't get this from the Bethlehem well. We did. There, You didn't fight. You didn't war in order to get this from me. We did. Are you serious? We're serious. David looks at it, looks at them, holds it up, opens it, and dumps it in front of their face. You say, please tell me he didn't do that. He did that. Doesn't it drive you crazy? David, what are you thinking? Well, let's look at the passage and let's try to see if we can figure out what he's thinking, shall we? Here we continue into verse 16, moving uh, deeper into that same verse. But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out. Ah, here's a clue. Before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this. That means far be it from me to drink this. And he said, it is, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? 
All right, as we try to get around, what's going on here? Why would he do that? Well, we discover is it says David poured it out before the Lord. What does it mean to pour out water before the Lord? Folks, what we see here is a reference to a tradition, a ceremony that took place frequently in the Old Testament called a libation ceremony, or sometimes called a drink offering. Have you ever ever heard of that before? Uh, The first time we see the drink offering or libation ceremony in the Old Testament is in the first book, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 35, verse 14 says this. Jacob, one of the patriarchs, Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. Jacob was excited. He he had spoken with God. He couldn't believe that God had revealed himself and spoken to his heart. And in his enthusiasm, Jacob said, I gotta gotta mark this place. This place is holy. And he thought, a monument. So he lifted up a stone. He said, that's good. And then he said, "Ah, more, 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 Ah, a drink offering. And we don't know if it was wine, some precious beverage, but he poured it out to God as a gift, as as an expression of his love. I could have drinking this myself, drunken this myself, Lord, whatever the verbiage there is, but I am instead giving it to you, Lord. I'm pouring it out for you. It was a sacrifice, not a burnt animal or a grain, but a liquid sacrifice. And as Moses instructed the Israelites how they were to worship when they entered the promised land, we find that the drink offering was prevalent in those instructions. I'll read one verse. This is out of Numbers chapter 15, verse 10. Moses writes, bring half a hin of wine. I didn't know what a hin was. I did a little research and I found out that half a hin is the equivalent of two quarts of wine. Big bottle. Bring half a hen of wine as a drink offering. Pour the wine onto the fire on the altar, and its smell will be pleasing to the Lord. That's awesome. God's idea. God's like drink offering. Oh, this will be multi-sensory worship. Think of all the senses involved in this moment. They have traveled to Jerusalem. They're at the glorious temple. They approach the altar. They present their drink offering, this wine. And those altar, the altar in the Jerusalem temple was massive, and the fire was a consuming inferno. And when they poured it on that fire, can you imagine the sizzle? Have you ever poured water on a campfire? That's fun, man. Get it really hot. Smoke and sound. And Similarly, they worship the Lord by giving this precious gift. And in that moment, sizzle and smoke and the aroma was pleasing to God. Maybe that's the part that amazes me the most. As this drink offering was given as a token of their love to the Lord, the Bible says it pleased God. That God found joy in their worship. Can you believe you can make God happy? I mean, that just blows me away, but Scripture is so clear on the fact that God takes pleasure in the heartfelt worship of his people. 
It boggles my mind to think that I can bring a smile to God's face. But that's what the Bible says. And with the drink offering, with the libation ceremony, these heartfelt worshipers presented their offering with multi-sensory worship. God smiled. That's what David was after. You see, when David poured out this water before the Lord, he was saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to turn it into a drink offering. That's what I'm going to do. David is not dishonoring the water. He's, he's honoring it. He's saying, I'm unworthy. As much as I'd love to drink it, I'm unworthy of drinking this water. Instead, the only one worthy of it, Lord, is you. And in this act, as David poured out that water, in that act, hear me now, he's preaching. What do you, what do you mean he's preaching? That act is pregnant with theological significance. I'd like to point it out. What is David saying as he pours out that water? He's saying that their obedience to God's prompting to selflessly, sacrificially give themselves to securing the water, that service, David's saying, you know what that service is? It's worship before God. You guys worshiped God with what you did. You see, back in those days, they wouldn't have known that. Most people thought the only way to worship God was to go to the temple, to bring an animal, a grain, a beverage, and to present it at the altar. And then, as the plume went up, there God was worshipped, and only then. And David's saying, that's a good way to worship God. It's not the only way. You can worship God through what you do in service to him. Isn't that amazing? I think we make the same mistake today. Sometimes we think the only way to worship God is to be at church and sing songs, right? And that's not true. Service can be worship to God. And so we need to realize that. My wife, last weekend, was serving in Compass Kids. She served in the early service, and then she discovered they had need in the second service. And even though she wasn't scheduled, she said, you know, I'll do it again. And uh, she didn't get to come into the worship service. And you say, oh, Jen didn't get to worship last weekend? No, she worshiped probably better than you did. She worshiped her heart out through serving. Because serving, worship is anything you do in obedience to the command of God, out of love for God, that is worship. Worship is in song. It's not only in song. It's in life. In fact, the Apostle Paul elaborates on this very concept in Romans 12, chapter 1. Let me, let me flip to the New Testament there and just read you real quickly. Romans 1 says this, Offer yourselves, your whole lives, as a living sacrifice to God. This is sacrifice imagery. Bring your life to the altar. Pour out your whole life to God. Let me read on. Dedicated to his service. There you go. Pleasing to him. There's the smile on God's face with our sacrifice. And look at this. This is the true worship that you should offer. What is the true worship that I should offer? Is it a song, Lord? He says, yeah, I want your song. But more than that, I want your life. I want you to give of all you are in service and devotion to me. That is 
worship. And folks, suddenly that infuses our service with profound meaning. Suddenly, you know, some people are like, yeah, I serve. You know, Daryl just twisted my arm, told her I couldn't say no, you know. And I'll tell you, they can recruit at the Compass Church like the better of them. And some people just feel guilted into it, you know. And, and that's not what it is. If, if it's you just saying, yeah, I'm paying my dues, I'm chipping in. If that's what it is, you're missing the point. Service is worship to God. And let me be clear, not just service at the church. If you're at home and God's prompting you to do something and you say, Lord, I'll do it in humble obedience and service to you, that's worship. The whole Christian life, to the extent it is lived in submission to the authority of God, is bringing worship to his name and bringing a smile to his face. In fact, I I would argue... And and I'm going to insult you just a bit here. I I insult myself in this as well. If you were bothered by this thing that David did in pouring out the water, if your first reaction was, you jerk, why'd you do that? That probably says we are too preoccupied with the visible, failing to see the invisible. If all you see is the visible, all you see is water, ground, pour. David saw more than that, didn't he? David saw that, but that's the visible realm. David saw the invisible, the reality of God, the nearness of God, that he wasn't pouring the water on the ground. David realized he was really pouring the water to the Lord and that the Lord was receiving the water and that the Lord was delighting in the gift, smiling ear to ear. David saw those things. And I fear sometimes that I am blinded by the visible realm, failing to sense and interact with the the realm that matters more, and that's the the spiritual, where God is. And so how do we open our eyes to the invisible spiritual realm? How do we change our service into worship? It's a good question. And I'd like to go back to our passage and draw out two simple points, really steps, if you will, as to how to change service into worship. You ready? Here's the first one. We need dedication. That is clearly to dedicate our service to the Lord. We need a a ceremony of dedication where we dedicate our service to the Lord. It says, David poured the water out before the Lord. David said, you guys have already served. David said, now I'm going to add a little ceremony to the service. And this water that represents your service, David said, I give it to God. I have a little ceremony where formally the service is dedicated to God. That's what we need to do. You say, you want me to have a ceremony before I serve? I'm challenging you to do that. But a ceremony is simply a prayer. It's where you stop and you say, Lord, I'm about to serve. But before I do, I just want to make it really clear. I do this for you. This is my love, my worship for you. In fact, uh, it's kind of like what happened yesterday morning when my kids asked for pancakes in fact, Jake uh, woke up, he's a drama king, stood on his bed, and with a bold voice, he announces, 
my tummy is crying out for daddy's pancakes. I'm like, oh boy, how do you ignore that? And I'm like, all right, all right, I'll make them. And all three of my kids gathered, and I'm mixing the flour and the eggs. And, and as I was mixing, I looked at my kids and I said, do you guys know why I'm doing this? And in unison, all three of them said, because you love us. They know the right answer because I ask that question every time I make pancakes. <laughs> and you say, Jeff, that's kind of weird. Uh, why are you doing that? You know, I'm doing, I'm asking for their sake so they know that there's love in it, that it's not about the pancakes as much as it is the love and the expression of love. Maybe I'm doing it for me too. I'm readjusting my motives One of the best things you can do in your life is to adjust why you do something. And I could have gotten all irritated. I can't believe I'm making pancakes again, you know. Cold cereal was good enough for me when I was a kid, you know. I could have been all... But I'm saying, no, this is about the love. This is not about the pancakes. I love these kids, and I'm showing them in this way. That's ceremony, and that's what we need to do with God, to say, God, do you know why I'm doing this, Lord? He knows, but it's good to articulate it, good for him, good for us to have a dedication ceremony where we just say, Lord, let it be known. I do this as worship unto you. I pour it out as worship unto you. Uh, You know, if you didn't do this, you know, you run the risk of your service being all this flurry of service without ever making the connection in your heart, that it's worship to God. It'd be like someone buying a wedding ring, an engagement ring, and never giving it to their lover. Can you imagine that? A guy earning the money and slaving away to get all this money, going and picking out the perfect ring, paying for it, getting it, and leaving it on their dresser? Yeah, she'll find it eventually, I'm sure. No, go give it to her. Look her in the eye. Get on one knee. Proclaim your love. Let's get some ceremony in this thing for crying out loud. And that's how it is with our service. Some people say, oh, I don't present it to the Lord, but I'm sure he'll realize it's for him. No. If this is all about worship, then look him in the eye and dedicate what you're doing to the Lord. And I'm telling you that if you do this, if you add the ceremony of dedication into your service, it will infuse your service with a passion. It'll be a, it'll be a labor of love because of that. Here, uh, I'm going to show you a piece of art I made just to make the point. And I hesitate because this is humiliating. In fact, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this. You're going to lose any remaining respect that you may have for me. It's going to be gone. I was 16 years old when I made this piece of art. It's the only art that has preserved in my life that I made. You ready? I made a teddy bear. Yes, I did. 16-year-old guy picked up a bunch of colored pencils and slaved away to make a teddy bear. Why, you may ask, would anybody with a slice of dignity have done something like this? Well, I took an art class in high school, but it was not an assignment. In fact, had I been assigned by a teacher, I want you to paint a teddy bear, I would have said, forget it. Give me an F. I I refuse to stoop so low. But that was not a teacher. It was my girlfriend. 
dating Jen at the time, and she loved teddy bears, and she said, you know what I want for my birthday? I'll tell you what I want for my birthday. And I was so whooped, I'm like, anything, darling, you just name it, and I'll get it for you. She said, I want you to make a painting of a teddy bear. Okay, I will. I'll do it. I, uh, you know, and I, I, love makes you do goofy things, you know. I look now, and I'm like, what was I thinking? And, and yeah, that's what I did. And I did so with gusto. I remember throwing myself into this and pouring every bit of excellence I could muster into this project. Why? Love. And folks, the Christian life is to be filled with passion. It is to be a labor of love where you don't serve because you've been arm-twisted into volunteering. You serve, you live, you give everything to the Lord because you're hopelessly in love. You know, what's the mission statement of our church? To love him more, so more love him. And the reason that's our mission statement is, one, because Jesus said that's the most important thing in the whole world, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But it's also the mission statement because this brings a smile to God's face. The, the offering in love given to him pleases him. And you know what? It's also our mission statement because it's the best way to live. A life of passion where you are living out of your growing affection for your Savior is a life lived deeply. You may do crazy things, but you have joy in the doing because you love the one you're doing it for. So dedicating your service Dedicating your life to the Lord is a profound way to make it come alive. It's not all, though. Check this out. Not only do we need dedication, we also need recognition. That is, we must recognize how sacred our service to the Lord is. When David looked at the water, did he just see water? No, he recognized that it's more than water. He said, is it not the blood of men I'm looking at? David had eyes to see, to recognize how precious it was. He looked at it and he says, this is not just the best water in all the land. This is the blood of those who went and gave themselves in battle to secure this for me. David held that water as one would a $100,000 bottle of champagne. He's like, this is unbelievably precious. And he poured it out for God. Do you have eyes to recognize how precious your service is to the Lord? Some people minimize their service to the Lord. Some people will say, ah, oh, it's nothing. Just chipping in. Just open up. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, sometimes I'll talk to uh, volunteers. I love to encourage volunteers and thank them for what they do. But sometimes they will say, Jeff, really, it's no big deal. And they'll compare it to what I do. And they'll say, come on, I'm, I'm just handing out navigators. Not a big deal. I mean, you're preaching the word of God. That's a big deal. And I, I feel almost an anger in my heart because I know that's not true. Every bit, every, I'll use this word, every drip 
of offering to God, every drink offering to the Lord matters tremendously. In fact, there's nothing a human being can do that matters as much as worship of God. If you are serving in the name of Jesus, dedicating it as a love offering to him, it is profound. And don't say it doesn't matter, because it does. To interact with the God of the universe in a tangible, meaningful way that conveys your love and adoration You don't find more significant activity than that. And so if you're the one handing out the navigator, listen to the sizzle. You say, what do you mean sizzle? Remember the the altar? As you're just smiling and saying, hey, welcome to the Compass Church. Here's the navigator. In that moment, if your heart is right, it's like pouring that wine and multi-sensory plume of smoke, sizzle and odor that brings a smile. To God's face. This is that. I hope you have eyes to see it. I hope you have eyes to experience it and enjoy it. Folks, living a life of love for God and making your service worship makes it all come alive. I'll, I'll just share my effort to apply this this very morning. I woke up a little extra early this morning because I had a prop to prepare. Uh, You'll notice I dumped water on the ground, and you may say, Jeff, that's terrible. I I spread out a towel here, not just a towel, one that has plastic taped on the backside of the towel so it wouldn't damage our stage. And uh, four services every Sunday morning, two here, two at Wheaton. So I had four of these to prepare. So I don't know what you were doing at six o'clock this morning. I was cutting garbage bags and I was taping them to towels. And I had a bad attitude at first. I will confess it. I, I am like, what am I doing? This is crazy, you know, measuring, cutting. Should have had somebody, should have had Dan do this for me, you know. And and all of a sudden, the Lord just smacked me, lovingly smacked me, and said, so what are you saying, Jeff, that what you're doing is a pain in the neck? Yeah, kind of a pain in the neck, Lord, you know. He said, why are you doing it? Are you doing this to have a slick little demonstration to earn the approval of people? Or are you doing it for me? Good point, Lord, I'm kind of preaching on that. Oh, and he's like, yeah, Jeff, practice what you preach, and So I paused. I put the scissors down, and I had a dedication ceremony. Lord, I got four towels to tape plastic to, and I'm going to do it for you. Lord, it's simple, but it's service, and I'm committing to do it for you. Every snip of the scissors, every rip of the tape, I am doing it because I love you. And that little ceremony, guys, I can't tell you the difference I made. All of a sudden, I'm snipping with love, and I'm taping with a heart bursting, and there was an enthusiasm, and I was smiling at him, and he was smiling at me, and I heard the sizzle. It was worship, and it was awesome. That's the difference this principle can make on all of life. I pray that the Compass Church is not a bunch of people who are just chipping in, all right, fine, I'll help out. But that we would be lovers of God 
increasingly mesmerized by his beauty and grateful for the sacrifice he gave on the cross and that our lives would just be given to him. The Apostle Paul says, I pour out my life as a drink offering to the Lord. You got to pour out your life on something. You can't keep it. Why not pour out your one life on the God you love? Amen? Let's pray. God, we want to be a church of lovers, just filled with affection for you. We want to be a church whose eyes are open to spiritual realities, your presence, your nearness. We want to live not out of obligation or duty, but out of love, serving you passionately. Oh, God, all of us, open our eyes to your presence. Help us see you looking at us when we serve. And when we dedicate our service, help us see you smile. Help us hear the sizzle of sacred worship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.